thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not trying to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today for Jesus the Healer. Um, we love getting to spend this time with you and feeding on the Word together. Thank you for loving the Word and, and for being hungry to be a doer of that Word. Amen. I'm grateful for you, and uh, I just appreciate this opportunity to come and minister to you. We have been teaching on a series um, that's really taken out of my book that uh, we make available to you the price of the double portion anointing. And um, in the title, I don't mean to imply that everyone will walk under a double portion anointing. But I know this, that that which will cause someone to walk successfully under a double portion anointing, if every believer does the same thing, what a blessing it'll be to our lives. Yes. And so we're, we've been talking about this on previous episodes, we invite you to go back and watch the previous episodes. We are taking something that Jesus said to me in 2018 when I was in St. Petersburg, Russia. He gave me this message. And um, so we put it in book form, but it is a message that is specifically pertinent to those in the fivefold ministry, but it's generally applicable to every believer. And um, we, we say that because within every believer, every single believer at the new birth, what came in, in you was an anointing that abides within. Right. That anointing never leaves you. Mm -hmm. That measure of anointing does not increase. Um, one believer doesn't have more of that anointing that abides within than another believer. But what does increase is our skill in yielding to that anointing, yes. that as we know about it, as we yield to it, that we can, um, if I could say this, not hinder the flow of that anointing, but we can cooperate with the power of God, that anointing of God, so that it can flow out unhindered. Um, now, there is an anointing that comes upon and that is for those who are separated to the fivefold ministry. That anointing that comes upon can be increased. Amen. But that anointing that comes upon is not for the minister's personal life. Right. It's only for him to be able to minister more effectively to the people. Yes. Every minister, as well as every believer, every Christian, we all have to, in our daily life, live off of that anointing that abides within. Right. So we, as a minister, I cannot live off in my personal life off the anointing that comes upon. Mm -hmm. 
I have to live off that anointing that abides within just like every other believer. So we all need to become skillful at yielding to that anointing, knowing what will hinder the flow of that anointing that abides within, what will facilitate and cause that anointing to flow out in a, in a greater measure. So these are the things that we're talking about and ministering about in this series. And I, I want you to understand how important it is to go back and watch some of these previous episodes in this series because what Jesus said to me that night, I'm not able to say in every episode. I'm just taking segments of it and we're teaching on it little by little. So one of the things that Jesus said to me that night is he talked about that when Elisha asked of Elijah a double portion of the anointing that was upon him, Jesus said to me, he said, it was not, remember Elijah said to Elisha, you've asked a hard thing. Um, Jesus said it was not hard for God to give him a double portion of that anointing, but it would call for a a hardness on Elisha's part toward his mind and flesh. What's that mean? Elisha could not allow his mind and flesh to take the lead in his life. But you know, that's true for every believer. We don't, we're not to allow our minds and our bodies to take the lead. We we have to uh, allow our spirits to be in the lead, our spirits to dominate us. Amen. Amen. So just reading a a clip of what Jesus said that night, he said to me, uh, Elisha could not be tolerant toward weakness of his mind and weakness of his flesh if he was to carry a double portion of the anointing. Now he's not there talking about the health of his flesh primarily. He's talking about he could not be dominated by his flesh. Amen. And so what's he talking about? We have to renew our minds with the word of God and we have to keep our flesh under so that our bodies don't, don't, don't dominate us and take the lead. Because if our body takes the lead, it'll lead us off the, off the course of God's plan. If our minds take the lead, it'll cheat us. It will cheat us because our mind was not ever designed by God to take the lead in our life. Our bodies were not ever designed by God. It's our spirit that is to take the lead. How do you take, how do you let your spirit take the lead? Well, first of all, you need to feed your spirit. Your spirit needs to be strong. Your spirit needs to be well fed. Amen. And then you need to learn to turn toward your spirit, draw on your spirit and yield to how your spirit is leading you. Amen. Um, We can live the best life as we feed, meditate on the word, develop our spirit and yield to our spirit. It's possible to live the life that he authored for us when we do that. Now, going further with that, Jesus said to me that night, he said, you must be sober about the responsibilities that the anointing calls for. Now, see, there's anointing that abides within every one of us. We need to be responsible toward that anointing. He said, you must be pleased to bring yourself in line with the responsibilities of that anointing. Well, what's the, what's the responsibility that we have toward that anointing that abides in all of us? Well, that is uh, renew the mind and keep the body under. Yes. Amen. Feed on the word, spend time in fellowship with God in prayer, all these things. Then I thought it was interesting. He, he pulled out a man out of history and pointed, pointed him out as an example to me of someone who had done this well. And he referred to Smith Wigglesworth that night 
if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth was, he was an English preacher who his, his ministry was um, on the forefront in the early part or the early half of the 1900s. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said to me that night, Smith Wigglesworth is an example of the consecration and responsibility toward that anointing. Then he described what being responsible, Jesus described to me what being responsible to the anointing included. It says, he lived and walked in the spirit. Ah, that's the way to be responsible toward the anointing. What's that mean? Live being dominated by your spirit, not being dominated by the mind and the flesh. Jesus said, Smith Wigglesworth lived and walked in the spirit with ease, freedom, and liberty as he spent his days feeding and meditating on the word and in fellowship with God through his ongoing devoted prayer life. So he's saying basically he lived full of the word and the spirit. He lived full of the word and the spirit. Then Jesus said, be mindful and purposeful to give yourself the lifestyle of an intake of the word and fellowship with me through continued prayer. So what's he talking about? A consistency in life. You know, what will hold us back spiritually and what will hinder the flow of the anointing that's within us is for us to be inconsistent. Um, There has to be every... a consistent lifestyle of feeding on the word and doing the word. If people feed on it like once every month, once every several months, um, that inconsistency is going to leave them in a weakened condition. I remember years ago, my goodness, probably about 30, 35 years ago, um, we were busy uh, with the ministry. I had young children. Life was busy. And I said to God one day, I said, I have not even fed on the word today. I said, forgive me for that. And he, he said this to me. He said, it's not me that suffers if you don't feed on the word, it's you. In other words, don't need to repent to me for it. Didn't do me any wrong. It's, it's you that need it. So we feed on the word, not to just please God, but because we need it. Amen. Our lives need it. And we can tell when we haven't been feeding on the word because the decisions we make, the words we think Mm -hmm. or the words we speak and the thoughts we think Mm -hmm. will show how much we've been feeding on the word Mm -hmm. and giving it its place in our life. So God pointed out Smith Wigglesworth as an example of someone who did that. I'd encourage you to get hold of materials written about him. Now, he didn't write any books. There was one, I think it's called Exceeding Growing Faith, um, is the book that was taken from his sermons, Mm -hmm. but he didn't write the book personally, but yet he, um, he put his stamp of approval on it because it was his sermons. And there is a bold spirit of faith in that man. Um, he was known as a man of the word and the spirit. He owned his own, his own plumbing business till he was in his mid fifties. He did not even go into the full-time ministry until he was in his fifties, but he was producing in his Christian life, things that uh, much fruit before he was even in the ministry. I mean, there were multiple people raised from the dead while he was still a plumber. Um, So know this, it's not about being called to the ministry. It's about being skillful with the anointing that abides within you. 
that you can produce fruit. This kind of fruit, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, Uh uh, you know, lay hands on the blind to see. This is not an instruction that Jesus just gave to preachers. It's to the body of Christ. If we'll learn to be skillful and draw on that anointing that abides within, it'll flow out, it'll bless us, but then it will empower us to be a greater blessing to others. Amen. So being in business did not keep Smith Wigglesworth from developing his spirit. Now that's a key because many, most in the body of Christ are not in the full-time five-fold ministry. Mm -hmm. Most of us, most people, uh, most that are Christians, they're to, they're to serve in their local church. They're in the ministry of helps. Why is that? That most are there because that's where the most help is needed. That's where the most help is needed. So just because someone may not stand in a five-fold office, a pulpit ministry doesn't mean they shouldn't be developing their spirit. Because Smith Wigglesworth, as a plumber, not as a preacher, but as a plumber, people were being raised from the dead by his uh, walk with God. I mean, his faith put a demand on some things and he got some results. Amen. Amen. His walk with God was strong and fruitful, not because he was a preacher, but because he was feeding on the word and walking in the spirit and had a fellowship with God that was rich. This is what belongs to every believer. Amen. Amen. Don't just relegate that flow to the preacher. Uh It's for every believer to Mm -hmm. participate in. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, When Jesus said to me about Smith Wigglesworth, he said he lived and walked in the spirit with ease freedom and liberty. And then Jesus told me in the next statement how there was an ease, freedom, and liberty to that for him. It says, because he spent his days feeding and meditating on the word and fellowshipping with God in his ongoing prayer life. Um, He's not saying that he didn't do anything else. Mm -hmm. He's saying that it was always a part of his day and that all throughout the day, he would let the word govern him. He would keep himself in ongoing contact with the Father, Uh talking to him all throughout the day. So know this, it's not a profession that we can't, we can still carry out our profession, but still live in a place of fellowship with God and his word. Amen. Amen. Now, um, Jesus said to me that night, we are to be sober about the responsibilities of the anointing. And we are to be pleased to bring ourselves in line with the responsibilities of that anointing. So what did he immediately start talking about? Walking in the spirit, living full of the word and walking in the spirit. So the responsibilities of that anointing that abides within us is first and foremost developed uh, and tending to our our spiritual life, Mm -hmm. our, our time in the word, our fellowship with God. And what a glorious privilege it is to do that. That's it's right. not a hardship. It's a glorious privilege. Yeah. It's not a hard labor. No. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's not going to take something from our day. It's going to put more into yes. our day. Right. Amen. Um, I remember what one man who had worked closely with Catherine Coleman. Now, Catherine Coleman, um, her ministry was on the forefront, the 60s, 1960s, 1970s. And she was known for her healing ministry. And he made a statement, this man who worked closely with her said, her fellowship with God 
made it easy for others to receive their miracle. Now listen to that. Her fellowship with God made it easy for others to receive their miracle. He didn't say because she was called to be a preacher, then others could receive their miracle. It's her fellowship with God. Time in the word, fellowship with God. We can all have that. I said, we can all have that and we can bring blessing to many just by doing that. Do you know, really, that's what Jesus did. His fellowship with his father produced miracles. Why? Because his faith flourished as he fellowshiped with God through the word and through prayer. You say, well, he was the son of God. Yes, but he still had to tend to his, to his walk with his father. Amen. Amen. Then we see something that Paul stated in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. Um, He says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What's that mean? The power of his resurrection, because Jesus was raised from the dead. It brought us into a life of power. That the power of heaven is available to us because Jesus was raised from the dead. He empowered us to go out and produce the same thing his life produced. So uh, Paul said, now listen to this. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Throughout his life and ministry, the apostle Paul saw healings. Mm -hmm. He saw miracles. He saw dramatic events take place around his life. But even after all those things, he was saying this, none of this substitutes for knowing him. Amen. Amen. He said, after having done all this, he said that I may know him. Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul still longed to know him more and more. Amen. Amen. Uh, Our lives have been changed and affected the most by those who know God. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's so true. The greatest, the people who have been the greatest blessing to my life are those who've walked with God. Yes. Those who have known God. Yes. Amen. Amen. First of all, my parents were my, the greatest blessing in how they raised. They knew God in the sense of they raised us in line with what was right by the word. Yeah, that's good. They, they, um, they were sound in how they raised their family. What a blessing to us yes. they were. But once I got born again at the age of 19, um, God put people in my life. Yes that helped me to know him. God will lead you to people who lead you to him. Pay attention to those who God leads you to and value their place and role in your life. The next person, of course, without question, my husband. He was... um, there was an age difference between us. He was older than I was, and he had been in the ministry many years when we got married. I was a spiritual baby, but because of how he knew God, I could advance quickly. His example and what he demonstrated and brought into my life was I saw an example of God's uh, place in his life firsthand. I got, he was my Bible school. I got to live with my Bible school. 
not many have gotten that privilege to live with somebody that is developed spiritually. Uh, in a marriage, many times people are growing and developing together, which is good and it's right. It's what should happen. But I had a particular advantage in that I, I got to live with a man who had already a very skillful flow of moving with God. And so I got a firsthand tutoring from this man. But not only that, Brother Hagen was our spiritual father mm -hmm. and all that he put into my husband's life and my life. What I want you to see is this, is that as you know him, other people can know him better because of how you know him. Wow. Amen. 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 Um, God intends that we grow up, not just for our own benefit, yes. but to be an example to others. Yes. Can I tell you this? The greatest thing you can be in life is an example. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Yes. Some may think, well, the greatest, the greatest thing I could be in life is anointed. Well, or the greatest thing I could be in life is prosperous. Uh, the greatest thing I could be in life is, uh, you know, a really skillful preacher. But if you're an example, you can be all of those things. Yes. We should be an example of good parents. Yes. We should be an example of faithful believers. Mm -hmm. We should be an example of what it means to bring our supply to the local church. Mm -hmm. We should be, we can be an example of someone who is skillful with the anointing, skillful with our faith, skillful with our love walk. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Skillful with our giving, uh -huh. skillful with our receiving. Yes. The greatest thing you can be is an example. Yes. Why? Because when you're an example, then you help others know what belongs to them. Uh -huh. They see firsthand in your own life. Yeah. And so this is what, this is why it's not just up to preachers. It's up to all of us that in the life of Smith Wigglesworth, even before he was in the full-time ministry, he was an example of someone who was developing their spirit and they were, he was producing fruit that was an example to others. How did he do this? He lived full of the word and the spirit. You can too. Yeah. I don't care what your profession is. You can live full of the word and the spirit if you give it its proper place in your life. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, years ago, I was just talking to God about some things, just even in my personal walk with him and my devotional life. And the spirit of God said this to me. He said, don't relegate your devotional life to a certain time of the day. Your devotion to him is your day. Yeah. Wow. Devoted to him in your thoughts, yeah. devoted to him in your actions, yes. in the motives of your heart, uh -huh. what you do with your body, yes. how you handle your money and devoted to him with your time. See, so much of the time we just think our devotional time of when we sit down to read our Bible or when we sit down to pray, but we, he doesn't want to be cheated out of the rest of our day. He wants in all of our day. So we don't relegate him to a certain um, segment of time. He is our day. Amen. Then the Spirit of God said this, don't get caught in the mental trap of clocking your time with Him. Mm. What's that mean? Well, did I get in this amount of time or that amount of time? Because, listen, we sh it's right to have goals of when you spend time away from the duties of life. Absolutely. It's right to even have a place where you go. That's perfectly fine. But if we're not careful, we start measuring our fellowship with him by the clock. And you can spend a lot of time with God reading the word and none of it getting in your spirit. 
It's not about how much time we read the Bible. It's about how much of the Bible got in us. It's about how much of that word we're living every day. Now, this is part of our responsibilities toward the anointing that abides within us. So the Spirit said to me, don't get caught in the mental trap of clocking your time with Him. You know what people will do is sometimes they'll say, well, I, I got my time in with God today, so now I, it's almost like He owes me something. Or we will say, I didn't get my time in, so then we get under a sense of condemnation because we didn't. See, it's a mental trap. <laughs> Have time goals, that's fine. But don't, don't, don't define your time with him by the clock. Yes. So the Spirit said to me, but your devotion to him is to be carried out as you start your day every day in the Spirit, then keep your heart turned toward him all day long. Then the Spirit went on and said this, take advantage of every free moment of the day to feed on his word and meditate on the word, talking to him in prayer and edifying yourself through speaking in tongues. Yes. So what's he saying? Feed on the word, yes. talk to God, yes. speak in other tongues. Yes. Just feel that all throughout your day with that. Your devotional time is not only to be set for a certain time, but woven throughout the moments mm -hmm. of your day and responding immediately to every prompting of the spirit that leads you to pray or leads you to feed on his word. Haven't you ever throughout the day you have a prompting? I need to go aside and pray. Then do that. Yes. Follow the promptings. Yes. Or my, 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 I'm so hungry to feed on the word right now. Then do that. That's not just your flesh coming up with that. That's not just your mind coming up with that. Those spiritual desires come from your spirit. Yes. Amen. Then the spirit said this to me. God is not trying to bring you into times of the spirit, but into a life in the spirit. Yes. Anything different than this will be mental planning and human effort. And it will take the life out of your fellowship with God for the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been teaching out of my book called The Price of the Double Portion Anointing. We want you to get your copy of it. You can go to our website at jesusthehealer.org and you can purchase your copy there. And uh, I want you to know that the reason we're able to come to you every day is for one reason, the generosity of Kenneth Copeland. Let me say this, not only his generosity, the largeness of his faith to be that generous. <laughs> that blesses me. It's an example. He sows all the airtime into not only my broadcast, but into every programmer you see on this channel. And so he has taken of the partnership that comes into, Ken, into Kenneth Copeland Ministries and he sows that into us. So I ask you, if this, if this broadcast is a blessing to you uh, and you're not already, pray about becoming a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries. What a blessing it means to us to be able to turn this on and have our spirit man fed. And uh, to become a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, go to kcm.org and you can sign up to become a partner there. And until next time, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In this book, The Price of the Double Portion Anointing, 
Nancy Dufresne gives clarity on how we are to walk successfully in this era. It instructs those in the ministry, but also brings instruction to every believer in helping them to fulfill the will of God for their lives. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. Come join us for our Jesus the Healer Crusade in Fresno, California at Elite Event Venue, located at 4105 West Fig Garden Drive, Fresno, California, 93722. The dates are March 25th through the 29th. For more information and to register, visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. Come expecting miracles. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.